Hey there, folks. Welcome to, of course, Griff Talks Football. Another exciting week for the NFL season this past week. A lot of exciting games, especially the Vikings and Cardinals game with uh, one of the broadcasters, Gus Johnson. Always a legend. Always brings out the excitement in each call and each play, no matter if it's a 75-yard touchdown or turnover or just a one-yard run. <laughs> Uh, really one of the best voices uh, for not only college football, but really for the NFL. He's definitely uh, an awesome broadcaster. Uh, Fox Sports is lucky to have him. <laughs> That's just one exciting game that occurred. Uh, and, and there's two games that uh, happened this past week that I wanted to talk about. One being the Raiders and the Steelers, and the other being the Seahawks and Titans. But let's uh, let's get into the Raiders and Steelers first. Don't take anything away from the Raiders. Two and zero start. Raiders started two and zero last year, and they didn't make the playoffs. Raiders are two and zero this year, and it remains to be seen if they can or will uh, make the playoffs. Based on their schedule, who they're playing uh, uh, next week and the following and so forth. Uh, And part of the issue why I still struggle seeing the Raiders making the playoffs is their defense. I don't think they have enough juice in the secondary and linebacker play uh, to create turnovers in the passing game. I think their pass rush or really their D-line in general has improved. Uh, You can see from last year to this year. But really, they still have issues on the back end of their secondary. And offensively, their own line isn't as good as it was last year. Uh, But it's still a pretty good offense. They still have weapons all around the board. And Henry Ruggs seems to have a bounce-back season so far. He's had... Two long bomb touchdown passes, one from against uh, the Baltimore Ravens, and of course this week the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Derek Carr leads the league in passing yards with like 800-something. So again, Raiders can light up the scoreboard. That is true, but we also have to consider who the Raiders have played. They played a good game against the Ravens, but it had to be a high-scoring affair and they made some mental errors, some coaching errors, and then now we're in you know, week three with them being 2-0, but they played the Steelers last year in the biggest twi- – not sorry, not last year, last week in week two, and the biggest takeaway from that game is the Steelers have no pop offensively. They're still dealing with the same issues as they did last year. It doesn't matter if you change the offensive coordinator or offensive play caller. It doesn't matter if you put me at offensive play caller. You don't have enough debt at the O-line position or enough good players at the O-line position to build a running game. They drafted Najee Harris from Alabama. Alabama is always a university that's going to have great running backs. Think of Derrick Henry. Think of Mark Ingram. Uh, other running backs that have been drafted, Sony Michelle, Damian Harris, right? Both of them were on the Patriots together. Sony is out with the Rams right now. Uh, again, they produce so many good 
phenomenal, and Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. They've produced so many good, phenomenal running backs. And it doesn't matter who you put a running back, your O-line is one of the worst run-blocking units in the league. And Ben Roethlisberger threw for 295 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, and he's not an athlete as he once young uh, as he once was, right? He can't always avoid all the sacks. He's been taking hits over the years. And other than Chase Claypool, who's their big wide receiver, and Najee Harris coming out of the backfield running routes, they don't have enough pop offensively, and the run blocking, again, is atrocious. So you're having to rely on Big Ben, who is 38 years old, who is not healthy, having to throw the ball 40-plus times a game to try to generate some 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 offense. And if your defense can constantly be in a two-high-shell look or in quarters and just put a four-man or four-person pass rush on Ben Roethlisberger, you're going to likely have good success because now Ben and the offense are trying to just pass the ball, trying to attack downfield when Ben doesn't have the same arm strength when their own line is also pretty bad at pass blocking, you can't generate a run game to then go off of play action, right? Play action could be effective, but it's not as effective if you don't have an efficient run game to use. And so that's what the Raiders did. Raiders took advantage of that. Raiders didn't have to worry about the run game. Raiders just had to pin their ears back and get after Ben Roethlisberger and try to slow down the passing game, which then gave, the Raiders offense enough plays to win the game. So I'll believe it when I see it when it comes to the Raiders being a competitive roster. They've always been a great September team under John Gruden, but they've never been able to finish well down the stretch in the season, given now it is a 17-game season. We'll see if they can finish strong and make a playoff spot It'd be very difficult for them to try to beat the Chiefs. They've done it before, uh, but it's going to be another tough task. I don't think they play them this week. I think they play the Chargers. No, I'm sorry. That's the Chiefs playing the Chargers. Uh, the Raiders do play uh, an opponent on Sunday uh, that I believe not only has a good run defense, uh, but as well as some good pass rushers, the Dolphins. Yeah, again, Dolphins have a good run defense. They have great pass rushers, especially great secondary. So we'll see how the Raiders compete against the Dolphins, even though the Dolphins, uh, their starting quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, is out for that game. It's going to be jo- uh, Jacoby Brissett at the helm. And we'll see if the Raiders can also generate a run game when facing the Dolphins. And speaking of run game, uh, Derrick Henry, as though it hasn't already been stated before, is an absolute beast, a monster. That man can stiff arm me 20 yards down the field. <laughs> uh, he's one of the best running backs, I would say, in the game right now. Uh, think of like Hulk running with a football. It is impossible to tackle that man one-on-one. And unless you're Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner was the only defense player on that Seahawks team that could tackle Derrick Henry one-on-one. Otherwise, 
Jamal Adams couldn't tackle Derrick Henry one-on-one. Nobody in the secondary, nobody else, not even defensive alignment could try to tackle Derrick Henry one-on-one. It was only Bobby Wagner because Bobby Wagner is one of the best, if not the best linebacker in the game and is an excellent tackling machine. However, Derrick Henry ran for 182 yards, averaging 5.2 yards a carry and had three rushing touchdowns and helped lead the, t- uh, the Titans coming back in that game, tying that game in the fourth quarter, and then winning that game with overtime on a field goal. So the Seahawks' run defense, or really their defense, couldn't really stop the run. We all know the Tennessee Titans love to run the outside zone stretch play where they just try to stretch the defense horizontally to then make cuts up vertically. They'll read gaps from C, B, A, right? One, two, three, uh, from outside in. And that has been the Titans' bread and butter since 2018. And that is what they've ran with Derrick Henry. That's what they've used under you know Mike Fabrils being the head coach. Matt LaFleur is the OC back in 2018 who established that system. It was carried on by Arthur Smith for two years, and now it's carried on by a different offensive coordinator, but still the same staples in the Seahawks couldn't do anything about it. Their defense is still absolute trash and has relied heavily on Bobby, on Bobby Wagner to make plays. Now, Ryan Tannehill threw for 347 yards, but didn't turn over the ball, didn't throw an interception, and made you know some deep strikes down the field off of play action because the Seahawks had to do something. They had to stack the box, and eventually that helped the Titans uh, take advantage of those opportunities and be able to put themselves in position to then score and get closer tying up that game, which is what they did. Offensively speaking for the Seahawks, they can't run the ball. Throughout these two games, they are struggling to run the football, and it's still in reliance on Russell Wilson having to throw the ball a lot to generate uh, some yardage in the offense, and a lot of it has been the passing yards, which is fine. You still see a bunch of teams passing the ball a lot, and that's one way of generating not only yards, but potentially points. You know, it's a the NFL now is a, and especially football now is a, you know, passing league, and that's fine. However, it's always important to have balance in the offense because sometimes if you're passing the ball 40 to 50 times a game, you know, that does give an advantage to defense by just constantly being in a too high shell look or a quarters look or having some blitz pressures. Uh, to try to generate some sacks, and your own line may mess up, or your own line may get tired from trying to guard a guy that's just an absolute beast at being a pass rush, uh, at getting sacks. So that's why it's important to establish a balance in offense to keep defenses from, you know, getting advantage looks like that, being off balance defensively. But it's not just a schematic point of view here. We've seen this problem now where Pete Carroll, the head coach of the Seahawks, wants to establish a run game but doesn't have the O-line to do it. And Russell Wilson has been verbal on wanting to, you know, be more, uh, having more input in the offense by 
throwing the ball a lot, which is fine. <clears throat> However, can't always be throwing the ball a lot when your O-line is still absolute trash and you rely on Russell Wilson to scramble around the pocket and try and make plays. They have the receivers. They have the tight ends offensively. But their O-line is so bad that the Tennessee's you know, defensive players, their pass rush, which was worse than the NFL last year, which didn't perform well in week one, was able to get to Russell Wilson several times. And, you know, be able to capitalize on key factors in the game to then win in overtime. So Titans prove that they're still explosive offensively, that they're probably going to win the AFC South this year. And the Seahawks, you know, despite making the playoffs in 2019, 2020, and even 2018, still have the same consistent issues, which has been the O-line play. Other than Dwayne Brown at the left side, the rest of the offensive line is just, an, unfortunately, an absolute mess, which is going to be difficult playing against teams in their division. Cardinals, they have J.J. Watt and, and uh, Chandler Jones. The Rams have Aaron Donald. And the 49ers have an absolute defensive line, an absolute beast in those players, starting with Nick Bosa. So we'll see how Seattle does throughout the year and how their own line plays out. But last week's game proved that Seattle – doesn't pass, uh, doesn't pass protect well, still has terrible run blocking issues, still relies heavily on Russell Wilson making plays, and their defense is absolute trash, and their only reliable player is Bobby Wagner, who is a middle linebacker, and he can only do so much. So that has been those two games, uh, the Raiders and Steelers. Titans, Seahawks is something I don't want to highlight and talk about. Uh, can't wait for this week coming up now, uh, week three, starting with Thursday night football. I know it's the Texans and Panthers may not be in the most splashiest primetime game, but Thursday night football is Thursday night football. Can't wait for Sunday and Monday as well. Uh, catch y'all next week, fellas. Take care, and I'll see y'all soon.